Dr. Lori Marvis podcast. Today we have Andrew Taylor, also known as Andrew Spud Taylor from Melbourne, Australia. How are you doing today, Andrew? Going very well. Thank you very much. And uh, thanks for having me on your podcast. Well, I'm thank, excited. Well, thank you for coming. I, I, we know we're actually, I'm speaking to you on a completely different day. It's Sunday and it's in the United yeah. States and Monday in Australia. So, um, it, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful, glorious Monday afternoon here, actually. <laughs> I'll tell you about my Monday tomorrow. So, um, All right. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's a really nice evening here in Florida. Um, but, you know, you had such an interesting story. And for those of you, the, the listeners who are not familiar with your story, you know, Andrew ate potatoes for an entire year. But I really want to understand why and how that came about. So can you tell us about your story and your, just your history? Yeah, well, I, uh, it's, a, it's a long history. It depends how far back you want to go. But uh, I'll start with the realization that... Um, Basically, uh, late in uh, 2015, around November 2015, I had another, yet another failed attempt at trying to lose weight. I did really well for about a month and um, ate healthy, exercised every day. Everything was going well until that one night where I said, I've been doing really good. I deserve a reward. And uh, maybe I'll have a slice of pizza tonight just as a reward for all my hard effort. And long story short, one slice of pizza became an entire family-sized pizza and some ice cream and some soft drink. And then um, the next day, I was sitting on the couch feeling sorry for myself and um, feeling like a real miserable, hopeless failure because I couldn't do this this uh, mythical thing that we call a dip, uh, called moderation. And um, you know, I just why can't I just do this moderation thing everyone talks about? Why can't I just have one slice of pizza and stop? And, um, yeah, then I realized that, uh, that my behavior with food was very similar to the behavior of any other kind of addict, of, uh, of an alcoholic or a drug addict or whatever. And how, you know, we've all heard stories or probably know someone who's been an alcoholic and has done really well for a few weeks or months or even a few years of being totally sober. And then, you know, along comes a, a buck's night and, um... And, you know, I'm, I'm just, it's a buck's night. It's a big day. I'm just going to have one beer just to celebrate with my friends, and then I'll go back to being sober tomorrow. And, of course, one beer becomes ten, becomes waking up in a pool of vomit and not remembering what happened. And, um, yeah, so I had this realization that I was basically doing the same thing. So uh, in that moment, I, my warped brain started wishing that uh, I was an alcoholic or a drug addict instead of a food addict because at least then you can quit and you don't have to keep making decisions over should I eat this healthy thing or this bad thing you can just say I'm not eating at all that would be how good would that be it'd be much easier and uh and then the more I thought about it the more I thought maybe that was an option and maybe I could actually obviously I couldn't quit food entirely but maybe I could quit everything except for one kind of food and um yeah maybe that was an option to try to deal with my situation so I uh I did a lot of research over five, probably five or six weeks. I did hours every day of um, reading scientific literature and watching uh, lectures online and documentaries and reading books. And, uh, yeah, after that period of time, then uh, I, I settled on potatoes and decided to give it a try. <laughs> so how did you decide what date you will start? Was, there, was it January 1st or how, how did you proceed? Uh, that was sort of by coincidence. This all happened, uh, you know, that period of researching that I was talking about just finished about three days before New Year's Day. And so that was just by coincidence. And then I could have started right away, but of course, everyone who's an experienced dieter knows that your diet doesn't start until Monday, right? So for me, it was, oh, well, there's only three days to go until the 1st of January. So I'll just wait until the 1st of January. And my original idea I was, I was trying to decide if I wanted to do two months or maybe three months. Uh, and I thought that would be probably the right amount of time to reset my brain and um, maybe learn some new things about uh, my relationship with food and then go back to normal eating. But in that two or three days of wait time, I don't know, I've got no justification for it, but the idea came from somewhere that I could do this for a whole year. Maybe it would be cool to do it for a whole year. And uh, so, yeah, for three days, that idea just ate away at the back of my mind until I thought, hey, why not give it a try? So, 
Yeah, there we go. <laughs> so you decided to start a quest of eating potatoes for a year. Were you just what type of potatoes were you eating? Just one type of potato or a variety? Uh, all kinds of potatoes. Uh, white potatoes, all different kinds of white potatoes, all different kinds of sweet potatoes. I didn't actually have that much variety, but any anything was acceptable. But most of what I ate was just normal plain white potatoes or red potatoes. And, uh, and occasionally some orange sweet potatoes and, and rarely some uh, purple Japanese sweet potatoes. I did have a few other varieties from time to time, but those were just what was easy for me to get, so that's what I had. Okay. So now you have a family. Yeah, I've, I'm married and I've got one little boy who's nearly three. Actually, he would be spot on three and a half now. Okay. So how did your wife respond to your idea of wanting to eat potatoes for a year? Yeah, well, she was uh, she was really supportive. She knew about how I was feeling. Like I was I was clinically depressed and anxious, and I you know I was I was in a really bad place at that point in time. And she knew that um, that I needed to do something, and she was just happy for me to be trying anything. So um, yeah, she was really supportive and happy for me to do it. And um, like a typical man, typical male, I was just going to go and do this and. Uh, you know, I'd done my research and I was ready to go. I was just going to go and do it, and that's that. But she said that she would support me no problem as long as I got medical supervision doing it, which was a good idea. So um, that was the only condition she put on it, that I needed to go and see a doctor and um, get medical checkups and blood tests and those sorts of things to make sure that everything was going well and I was healthy. So I agreed to that, and, um, yeah, she, she stuck by me and was the most amazing support that, a man could ask for. <laughs> That's wonderful. Did she change her diet with you or change anything at all herself? Uh, she ate more potatoes because there were more potatoes around the house. But apart from that, uh, she had a couple of little goes of like a week here and there of maybe doing only potatoes or things like that. But like she, she was already a healthy weight. She was She didn't have the same issues that I did, so she just... She just kept on, <clears throat> sorry. She just kept on doing her thing and eating the way she wanted to eat, and probably a little bit by osmosis, she ate a little bit healthier than she usually would. But she already ate very healthy anyway, so okay. yeah, she just she just did her thing. Now, as a doctor, I can imagine having a, someone come in and saying, "I'm going to eat potatoes just for you." What did your doctor say? Oh, well, he's a he's a very very well. I I went to this guy on purpose because I knew that he was a whole food plant based doctor, and uh, he had done lots of study and he'd, he'd been um you know he'd studied with or uh, under Dr. John McDougall and um so he knew a lot about whole food plant based eating, and he knew how healthy potatoes were and all that. So I chose him on purpose for that reason because I didn't I knew he wouldn't freak out. Um, he was surprised about it though. Uh, and he was, um, yeah, it wasn't something that he would recommend to his patients or anything like that, but he was happy to supervise me and he was happy to yeah, give me my medical checkups and blood tests and make sure things were going well. So, yeah, that was very good. When I went to him, actually, my original plan was that I would eat nothing but plain white potatoes and that was it. And, uh, and he thought... His first suggestion was, oh, maybe we could add in some broccoli or kale or something like that, just for a little bit of extra nutrition. And I said, no, I've done my research. I know the potatoes are going to give me everything I need. This is about quitting food. I'm, I'm getting down to one food only, as close as possible to quitting food. I'm not going to get in two foods because then that opens up the door to even more foods. That's That was my logic in, in the back of my mind. And uh, and he said, yeah, yeah, he got that. He said, okay, fair enough, no worries. And... Um, and then he said, well, what if we add in uh, just sweet potatoes as well? Can you do sweet potatoes? And I, I thought about that and thought, well, they're not. Technically, they're not potatoes. They're in a different family. They're not. They're called sweet potatoes, but they're not actually potatoes. But I thought, since we call them sweet potatoes, maybe I can, I can accept that. So I decided to, from his advice or from his uh, you know, suggestion, uh, I decided to allow sweet potatoes in as well. But really, it was he was good. He was very supportive, yeah. So during this time of transition, did anyone mention to you the food addiction, the words food addiction? No, that was all my own idea. That was uh, I didn't really speak to anyone about addiction. I did, yeah, no, I, this was just all my own idea. It was just my own logic when I had that thought that 
um, maybe I was a food addict, it was um, suddenly everything made sense to me that this is why every time I've lost weight before that I've just gone and put it back on. And that, that's because every attempt I'd had at weight loss was all just focused on the numbers on the scales and focused on trying to lose weight, lose weight, just do everything I can to lose weight. And, um, and it never really solved the underlying issue, which I suddenly realized was addiction. And if I needed, uh, and I had this, suddenly everything just made sense to me that if I wanted to get healthy and lose weight, my focus needed to be on dealing with my addiction. And then if I could do that, weight loss, health, everything else would take care of itself. I just needed to deal with that side of things. And it just made total sense to me. So no, I didn't talk to anyone else about addiction and I probably should have in hindsight but uh yeah I didn't really feel the need to it just it just made perfect sense to me and it seemed like the only logical thing to do so during that first month what was going through your head did you have really struggle or were you just so determined you had made the decision that you stuck with it without any problems or hesitation the first two weeks were really hard uh yeah a lot of trouble with cravings and um, a lot of, uh, I had some, you know, detox. Well, we talk about detox symptoms and things like that. I don't really like the term detox, though. I prefer to think of it as just adjustments. Like, it, my body was just adjusting to a new diet that it wasn't used to. And, um, and you know, some negative uh, side effects come with that. But uh, I don't really, I just like to think of it as an adjustment rather than a detox. But, um, yeah, there was, yeah, cravings were intense and I had to, had to work hard to um, come up with some strategies to deal with my cravings. and um, But, yeah, also, like you said, this felt like like the most important thing I'd ever done in my life. So I was very, very determined to make sure that I saw it through too. And uh, I, didn't, I wasn't sure that I'd be able to go the whole year, but it was really something I wanted to try and just see what would happen. But, uh, yeah, that, so that first two weeks was quite hard probably the hardest two weeks of my life actually and then after that it really uh it really got a lot easier and I just sort of settled into a groove and just did my thing for the rest of the year really okay you know it's it's funny you mentioned the quote-unquote detox or your adjustment phase but I see it all the time and it can last up to two weeks what kind of symptoms physical symptoms did you have uh typical stuff I guess I had headaches and um and I had stomach aches and constipation and, uh, yeah, just just the typical stuff. But, um, yeah, it was, all, it was all gone, really, by the end of day six, I reckon. I was starting to feel pretty good and had energy and not a heap of energy. I wasn't overflowing with energy, but I didn't have all the, the same issues. That first five, six days was not so good, and then it, it got better from then on. Okay, and you said you had used some strategies to deal with your cravings. Can you share some of those strategies that you used? Yeah, the, so uh, I didn't have any of these strategies before I started. I just, I, before I started, I felt sure that if I, if I uh, committed to sticking it through and eating only potatoes, that I would just figure it out. I didn't know how to do that, but I felt like I would just figure it out one way or another, and I did. So. The first strategy I came up with was, um, I call just say, just eat potatoes first. So everywhere I went, I had potatoes with me. I had a big, um, big Tupperware box full of potatoes, and every time I had a craving for chocolate cake or whatever, McDonald's, pizza, anything, I would say, no problem, you can eat that. It felt like too much pressure to me to say I'm never going to eat cake or donuts or whatever again. But I would say... You can have the cake, sort of a little mental trick. You can have the cake, but first thing you've got to do is eat this big box of potatoes. And, um, and once you finish the potatoes, then you can eat whatever you want. And then I, so then I would sit and, uh, and eat the potatoes and just struggle through them. And I, I remember sitting in the car park of McDonald's going, come on, I just wish this box of potatoes was over so I could go in and get my McDonald's. But every time I did that, um, by the time I finished the box of potatoes, I just didn't crave anything anymore. So that was a that was a number one, and that was a, a very helpful thing. Um, yeah, there's a there's a, a few things that we can go into more if you'd like to. But yeah, yeah definitely. That, that was the number one, and um, 
Well, I think, yeah, that, okay, that's well, a good, yeah. I think that's a great strategy. These are very helpful for people who may be struggling with the same issues that you went through. So anything that yeah. you can glean from your experience and share, that would be fantastic. Yeah, okay. Well, I've got two more things. They might take a little while to talk about it, but anyway, that's okay. Let's do it. So the, <laughs> the first thing, which is not that long, but it was, uh, have you seen the movie The Matrix? Yes. Yeah, I think everyone probably has. But uh, So there's a scene near the beginning of that where Neo gets in the car with Trinity and a couple of others, and they're, they're going, I think they're going away to see Morpheus or something. I can't remember exactly what. But anyway, they're in the car and they're driving along, and, um, and the guy in the front turns around and gets out this machine, and another guy points a gun at him, and they, they try to pin him down, and they want to get this bug out of him. And he freaks out and says, stop the car. And, uh, and they stop the car and he opens the door and, and looks down this um, dark, like dimly lit laneway. Um, it's pouring with rain and it looks miserable. And he's about to get out of the car and Trinity grabs his hand and says, trust me, Neo. Why? He says, because you've been down that road before. You know where it leads. And I know that's not where you want to be. And uh, for me, that was really um, struck a chord because every time I crave... Uh, a donut or whatever it was, I would repeat that scene to myself, and I, and I would tell myself, if you know, you know, if you eat this piece of chocolate cake, you've been, that's a road, and you know that it's not just going to be one piece of chocolate cake. You know that it's not just going to be one donut. You know that that's going to be the end of your diet, and that's going to be um, a, another failed attempt to lose weight, and another failed attempt to get healthy, and it's going to be. You know, and months and months of getting fatter and fatter and more sick and more depressed before you try something again. You know exactly where that road ends up, and we know that's not where you want to be. So, uh, yeah, I would just replay that scene in my head and remind myself that, you know, when my when my mind is telling me it's okay, have the chocolate cake just this once, you know, in inverted commas, just this once. Replay that scene in my head and go and understand that it's not going to be just this once. I've tried just this once a million times before, and it's never just this once. So, yeah, you've been down that road. You know where it leads, and I know that's not where you want to be. That's a line that sticks in my head, and, uh, yeah, it's, that, that was a really helpful thing. That seems very powerful. I mean, it's visual, and it speaks to exactly what we all know. If we go down the same road and do the same thing, we already know the same outcome, so we know it's nothing's going to change, right? Yeah, it's just you're playing tricks on yourself, you know. There's there's a little um, there's a little junkie that lives in your head, and all he cares about is getting a hit, you know. There's a, he wants his sugar high, or he wants his um, he wants his extra fat calories in there, to, you know, turn on the dopamine uh, receptors in the brain, and you know, get those foodgasms and all that. And this little junkie that lives in your brain is not interested in your health, and he's not interested in your um, sanity and your weight or your happiness or any of that. He just wants a hit. And so he controls part of your brain to try to, you know, try to play tricks on you and try to get you to do things that you shouldn't be doing. And it's, it's uh, you know, when you recognize that, that, that uh, these, these cravings and these ideas for eating junk food, they're not coming from a place of help at all. They're coming from someone that wants to lead you back down that dark alleyway to the end of the road that you don't want to be on. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's just an important connection to make. So, that, you know, this, just, you start making decisions then from a point of logic rather than from a point of emotion. Right. I think, I think that's really important for people to understand, to take the emotion out of it and, and look at it logically. But sometimes that's very difficult in the heat of the moment. But um, what was your third uh, strategy that you used? Yeah, so that was, uh, I, call, I just call it a meditation, basically, on, uh, on emotional eating. So, you know, a lot of people have trouble with emotional eating, myself included. And I think that comes from uh, a bad day or whatever and you want to eat something junk to make you feel better. And, and that, uh, in that place of emotional eating where we want to eat something to make us feel better, we're only taking into account... Uh, the, the instant gratification sort of time of like when you're eating your chocolate cake, yeah, that feels great and it's enjoyable, but we're not taking into account the, the entire emotional eating experience. So I came up with this, uh, with this meditation of my own. This will just take us a couple of minutes to go through, but I'll, I'll lead you through it if you like. Okay. And, um, and we can do it. So uh, 
to start with, I mean, obviously I'm going to use potatoes as the example because that's what I did and chocolate cake is another thing for me. So we, uh, we've got a choice between a, chocolate cake, a piece of chocolate cake or a big plate full of cold, boiled, boring potatoes, right? Okay. So the first thing you're going to do is close your eyes and picture that chocolate cake. Okay. All right? And then we're going we're gonna to eat the chocolate cake. Feel the chocolate cake in your mouth. Feel the taste. Feel the texture. Feel the, you know, everything about it. It's great. And uh, can acknowledge that it's a really, really great eating experience. You're enjoying that. You're getting that food gasm in your mouth. The pleasure center is going off in your brain. Everything about this eating experience is awesome. And we can acknowledge that. It's really, really good. But then let's move forward 10 minutes in time. And let's take in the emotional experience that you're now feeling 10 minutes after you've eaten that bit of chocolate cake. So if you're like me, there's a little, there's regret, there's shame. There's probably also a part of you that's wanting more, like wondering when can I get my next bit of chocolate cake now. But there's also, yeah, this overwhelming feeling of guilt, remorse, regret, shame. These sorts of things are kicking in. And really, let's feel that as well. Really let that become a part of you. And then move forward an hour. How are you feeling then? If you're like me, you're, you're feeling sluggish. You've probably had to loosen your belt a notch and you maybe you need to sit down on the couch for a while and, and not do too much. And let's fast forward to the next day. How are you feeling the next day? That, but if, we, if you're like me, then you're still feeling a little bit of regret, that, but that sort of emotion's died off a bit. But you're not feeling so great because you didn't have a great sleep the night before because your body's dealing with this crap food that it doesn't know what to do with and uh, so you're just feeling a little bit you're not quite full of energy and uh, you know your body's not quite working the way it should and then let's fast forward six months and how are you feeling then after having much choice to eat chocolate cake two three times a week maybe every day for the next six months well maybe you're 10 20 pounds heavier you're a bit sicker you're a bit more depressed and, uh, and life's not going so well for you. And now it's really important to take all of those emotions that you felt from 10 minutes after, an hour after, the next day and six months and really feel all of those emotions and let them become part of your soul and ball them up, let them sit in your chest alongside that feeling of enjoying eating the chocolate cake but get all of the emotions that go with eating the chocolate cake, ball, ball them up and let and sit in and become a part of you and really experience those emotions in, in this current moment. Okay, so you're... you're All right, and then we can do... You're, you're taking sorry? that... You're using those emotions to propel you to do something differently then? Yeah, and then I'll do the same process with potatoes. So you look at that potato that you've got in your mind's eye and you look at it and go, oh, it's not that appealing. It's Potatoes are good, but they're not as good as chocolate cake. So... Imagine putting it in your mouth and chewing it and swallowing it. Yeah, they're good. They're okay, but they're nothing special. They're just potatoes, and there's no flavor to go with them. They're not even hot. It's just boring potatoes, but nothing to it. And it's totally okay to admit that. And, you know, chocolate cake wins this round, right? But then you fast forward 10 minutes, and how are you feeling? If you're like, man, you're feeling proud, you're feeling happy. And you're feeling, uh, you know, you've made a good choice and you're happy about that. You're glad about it. So feeling an hour later, well, you don't need to sit on the couch and chill out. You've, you've got energy. You could go for a run if you wanted to an hour later. Uh, you know, you're still feeling proud of yourself. Good. How are you feeling the next day? Well, you had a good sleep because your body had good fuel in it. Your body was able to do the repair work that it needed to overnight. And you're still feeling happy about the good choice you made the day before. And then, of course, fast forward six months, repeated the choice you're feeling then. Well, maybe you're 10, 20 pounds lighter, your depression's lifted a bit, you're a little bit closer to your goals, and you know, life's on an upward path now all of a sudden. So then take all of those emotions, ball them up, let them sit in your chest and feel them and let them become part of you and uh, really, you know, really uh, connect with those. And once, it took a few minutes to go through, but for me, that I would spend literally one minute doing that, that little meditation. And, and once I got through that, then, then I would look at my choices and go, there's not really a choice to make. The, the, the way I felt at the end of that, at the end of that uh, meditation was that the, the choice was totally obvious and I'd have to be a moron to choose chocolate cake after that because I felt so good at the end of my potato meditation. 
Right. I, I really like that because you're basically, you're creating a painful scenario to push you, you know, away from eating that and then using the, the potatoes as a positive to pull you. So you ha- you're running from a negative and running yeah, from yeah. a positive. So that's very, very yeah, exactly. helpful. Mm-hmm. And it's not like, yeah, and it's not like I've really had to create anything. Those are just the two realities of exactly what would happen to go with those choices. Right. So it was, uh, it was really easy for me to get in that mind space that, the, that that meditation sort of asked you to go into because I'd been there a million times before. You know, I just had to imagine what my life was already. So, <laughs> you know, it was an easy meditation for me to do. And it was really one, maybe two minutes, you know, I could just take myself away to the toilet and spend one or two minutes there and then come back and my, my choices are easy. Right. I and mean, that's fantastic. I mean, it, what makes it even stronger is that it's reality-based. You, you've experienced it. You lived it. You're just literally going through the mechanism or the the memory that you already had in your head. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, yeah that were, those three things, the big three, I guess, that were the main things that I did to uh, try to deal with meditation, uh, deal with, sorry, with cravings. And uh, Well, I, th- I think that's a, a very powerful. Yeah, found- those are some very powerful strategies that you gave us, and that's fantastic. Um, as far as... Looking back of your year of the potato, <laughs> what were your greatest lessons yeah. learned? Would you say that you you come or walk away from that that you were surprised maybe to learn or something that you you know really struck a chord that you think others may be um, also struggling with that may benefit from your your experience? Yeah, well, for me, uh, I, I rely, and I think a lot of people would relate to this as well. That I relied on food for emotional support, um, food was you know, what got me through day to day. Well, I thought that's what it, what it did for me. But the major lesson that I learned was that all of the things that I thought food was doing for me, i.e. trying to boost my, um, you know, boost my emotional uh, levels and you know, get me through the days, it was actually doing the opposite. It was, um, it was bringing me down and it was, uh, it was not doing what I thought it was. Um, so, you know, I learned... It was all about trying to learn to get through life and, uh, and you know, find other ways to get com- uh, comfort, enjoyment, emotional support uh, from life without needing. Uh, I've got this saying that makes your food boring and your life interesting. So, you mm-hmm. know, the, the way I used food was to try to get that dopamine hit in my brain. And you, you do need the dopamine hits. You, you know, the people are meant to get these little highs that you get from your brain-producing dopamine. But... It doesn't need to come from food. It can, you know, there are so many things you can do with your life that will give you that little dopamine hit, that little pleasure hit. That, um, that you know, you don't you don't need to get those things from food. And there's there's no situation in my life that, you know, there's no great situation that is made better by having cake to celebrate. And there's no bad situation that is made better by having a donut to commiserate with. You know, it just None of that. It's all just. They're all just lies that I that I was telling myself, and they're all, um, you know, that little junkie that lives in my head playing tricks on me. That's all that ever was. Yeah, just just getting to terms with that reality and accepting that I'm a food addict, and uh, you know, stay, I can't just have one bit of this or one bit of that. I need to stay away from that. And uh, and yeah, this idea of keeping my food boring and my life interesting has been a really uh, really helpful one for me. That. And in saying that, it doesn't mean that you have to make an effort to make food as boring as possible, but it's just acknowledging that food doesn't have to be the pleasure center of your life. It's, uh, you know, if if there's uh, some crazy exciting meal happening somewhere, then just accept that, okay, that would be nice to be able to be involved in that, but I can find something far more exciting to do than eating something that's nice <laughs> right exactly no i love that make your food boring and your life interesting i mean you know it's interesting people when we when i work with patients some of the mantras we hear is that well my food has to taste good my food you know i we eat with our eyes first and then our taste buds next what would yeah. you say to someone like that who's so you know it's like they understand their food addicts yet they still struggle to just kind of separate the fact that food is their fuel or fuel excuse me 
and not something like you just said. You know, it's it's not the it's not the junkie speaking. How do you make mm. the junkie stop speaking? And yeah, uh, it takes time and effort. It's not somewhere something where a few solid weeks of hard effort. Like I'm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it was it was all day every day. I was that junkie was in my ear, you know, telling me what to do. But to say that, you know. Um, the, what did you say about the taste? Yeah, um, so the, people the, are talking the, about. Pepper. Yeah, they they said that, well, you know, we we eat with our, our eyes. Food has first. to taste. Yeah, it's almost like they want to replace. Good, yeah. Replace so, the the junk food with the. Yeah, so my my. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. 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 So reply to that the food has to taste good. My reply to that would be, life has to taste good. You know, it's. The food, the way that we eat, the food that we eat is one small part of this overall thing that we call life, and it's life that we want to, we want to taste good, for want of a better word. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, this. You eat three times a day. You spend, you know, maybe spend an hour eating each day, and you spend the other 23 hours while you're sleeping for a bit. But whatever, you spend a lot longer in your day doing other things other than eating, or at least you should. So if you're focused on making those other 23 hours as good as possible, then that one hour that's not quite as exciting as it used to be is insignificant. You know, it's like I said before, we, we do need the dopamine hit. We do need to have excitement and enjoyment in our day. It doesn't have to come from food, though. And, um, you know, it would be great. People, A lot of people have said to me that food's one of the great pleasures of life and it's a shame that I'm doing this because I'm missing out on the great pleasures of life. But... The thing is, though, that for some people, including me, food—you know—it ends up causing more pain than it does pleasure. And you've got to be honest with yourself. And if you're one of the people, you know, you can't just walk away from a pain without it being finished. Then, you know, perhaps you're someone that food—the sum total of the food experience—is one of pain, not pleasure. So, time to accept that, and time to work on forgetting about get enjoyment from food and just. Get enjoyment from other areas of life and get your dopamine hits from something else. And let's make this grand experience we call life something that tastes good rather than just that one hour a day you spend eating. Mm-hmm. Oh, I agree. I think that's fabulous words of advice. I mean, it almost makes you wonder those who actually say those things to you, such as, you know, I'm sorry you're missing out on the, one of the greatest pleasures. They're probably speaking from their food addiction themselves. Their junkies try to reach out to your junkie and say, hey, let's take a hit together, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, that, that's. I think that is a very, very valid point for sure. That you know, I think people are confronted by uh, by what I've done and what other people are doing, and yeah, maybe people feel like a little bit of in, inferred pressure, sort of. You know, that if Andrew's been able to kick this habit, then you know, maybe it makes me look weak or something. So maybe I've got to try to bring him back to my level sort of thing so I don't look weak anymore maybe there's there's that sort of thing because I've heard that sort of thing goes on amongst alcoholics and drug addicts and things like that and it makes sense that it would happen amongst food addicts too oh yeah it's completely even when even when the food addicts don't realize they're food addicts <laughs> <laughs> and I think there's a lot more of them than actually alcoholics or drug addicts honestly yeah yeah I do too oh my yeah. goodness gracious yes yeah, and it's it's really interesting because um I'm I'm surrounded by clinical psychologists working with our our patients every day, and they speak of it just like you did. Um, you know, it's it's almost like a a, a separate entity or a, a another yeah. person, the junkie that speaks to you in your head, and that it really never goes away. You just keep it yeah. suppressed, and and you control it by not feeding it, and uh, it, it speaks yeah. volumes to your your logic that you had. It's it's tremendous. Yeah, well, for me, it was never about, um, I sort of decided early on that I had, when I had this realization of, you know, this addiction and I, and I sort of got to know that there was this other side of me that was trying to make me do things that I shouldn't do, um, I realized that, you know, in the past, every, every effort that I'd had was about trying to, like you said, suppress that, that talk and trying to ignore the talk and distract myself from that, that junkie and, um, you know, try to ignore him, and uh, and really a big change was that I just I just thought that you know everything I've done in the past has not worked. I've failed every time. So let's whatever I've done in the past, let's do the opposite now. So rather than trying to ignore that junkie, I started trying to get to know him, and uh, and really when he started talking, I paid attention and like, why are you saying this? What's the point of it? Why why do you want me to eat that chocolate cake? You know. 
let's you know, just really try to have a conversation with this this um, junkie that's living in my head and get to know him and get to understand him. And, you know, once I got to know him and got to understand him, then I realised that, hey, this is just a, a scared little guy that's understanding that he's not going to have access to his drugs anymore. Mm. And so he's getting worried. So he's trying harder and harder to get me to crack because, you know, he's just... It's not about me. It's about him getting his hits and he's not getting his hits anymore and he's getting desperate. That's, that's really what it is. And, yeah, so... That, those first few weeks where the cravings got really loud, that was I was able to just, rather than ignoring them, just sit and and really get to know them. And that was what I came to understand, yeah. So you just kind of basically come to peace with it, accept it, and then figure out a way to deal with it, right? You just, you listen to him, you understood him, you're like, okay, but now I have a plan yeah. to, you know, squelch these, these things going on in my head and my body and... Once you, I think the nice thing is that you did your research, number one, but you also had a step-by-step -step plan. Like you were very ready in one, your mind, but also just had a step-by-step -step plan is I think, you know, the execution is important too, not just kind of jump into something, yeah. but you were well prepared, which I think, you know, all the, the dominoes just fell for you perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it wasn't, I, I wouldn't, I was prepared as a nutritional research side of things went. Like I knew that this was going to be a healthy thing to do and it would not, I would not get sick from it and things like that. But I, I, in hindsight, I should have, but I didn't do much research on addiction and psychology of eating and things like that. I just figured that as long as I, as long as I was committed to, um, to getting through this eating only potatoes, I just figured that I would find a way. You know, if, if, I, if I wanted it enough, I would find a way to get through it. And so when these times came where the cravings got bad then I had to start thinking about what should I do and yeah then I, that was when I started coming up with all these plans because I realized that it you know white knuckling it and try to ignore it was, had never worked in the past so I just got to do something different this time and these these ideas just came to me out of you know, necessity is the mother of invention they say so I was mm -hmm. I needed something to help me get through and I just came up with these ideas yeah no, it, it, it goes back to basic uh, pattern disruption. So you had a pattern of eating certain types of foods to get a certain type of feeling. So you discovered on your own to disrupt yeah. those patterns by creating a different one, either a mind's picture or a physical change. But you, you actually figured that out all on your own. So that's what they yeah. do is a pattern disruption. Yeah, and I started, yeah, exactly. And I started, I didn't understand any of that when I was doing it, but... Um, in hindsight, yeah, that's exactly what I did. And, you know, I started associating, um, you know, chocolate cake and pizza. I started associating them with negative things rather than mm -hmm. positive things. And, yeah, so it just made them less appealing. Yep, push away and, from um, the negative and pull towards yeah. the positive. Absolutely. So it just fascinates me that you discovered all of this just with strategies. I mean, you must be very creative and intuitive. I mean, it was just that's a very, very um, – it's amazing to me because so many people don't find that in just regular parts of their life they struggle, but you took an you took a a very radical sort of quote unquote approach and then you found out when things got a little tough you figured out the strategies to make sure that you stayed on task and were successful. I think that's amazing. Yeah, well, that's exactly what happened. Yeah, just I, I had to something had to happen to help me get through those craving times and. Uh, yeah, just, yeah, I guess I am a reasonably creative person, but um, yeah, I just Give felt like there's uh, that's yeah, huge. There was... <laughs> <laughs> I'm impressed. <laughs> I mean, there's so many people yeah. to to pull yourself out of an addiction cycle, remove yourself from that the the best you could um, away from those foods, and then create the mental strategies that you needed to actually be successful. I mean, that is incredible. That alone is. Is a very compelling story that um, I hope you share with lots of others. And I, and I know you do do a lot of, I was looking on your website, thespudfit.com, yeah. and you have, you know, um, coaching and some other things going on. You even have a Spudfit t-shirt, which is hilarious. I love that. And um, yeah. so, so can you <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm trying, yeah, I'm trying to, uh, I, like you said, I want to share the story with uh, as many people as possible. And I've, I've so far unsuccessfully tried to get into, uh, I do have like, I've had like two clients this year, so <laughs> oh. it's uh, 
Yeah, I would like to coach people, but they don't seem to want coaching. But anyway, I, uh, that's something that's happening, and I'm, I'm trying. I'm working on another book at the moment, and uh, I want to do more public speaking. I've done a couple of speaking things, and uh, yeah, coming up in the next couple of weeks. I don't know when you're going to air this, but I'll be talking, uh, doing an event with Rich Roll in Sydney, and then in Melbourne. Wonderful. And uh, when will that be? Yeah. Uh, that's the 16th in Sydney, 16th of March in Sydney and 17th of March in Melbourne. Okay. Um, yeah, so people can look up Rich Roll's website if they want to know more information. But, yeah, there's, there's that and, uh, you know, there's all sorts of things I want to do. Basically, I want my life to be about trying to share this message and help other people um, have the same turnaround in their life as, as I've had. And, um, yeah, I, I do. I have a support group that I run on Facebook that um, yeah, people can join and they get some support from me and a whole lot of information that I've made available in there as well. And yeah, there's nothing better to me than waking up to a five or six emails every day that I get from people that have had um, you know changes in their life and changes in their relationship with food and you know in part because of my influence. So. Right. Yeah, I want to. I want to keep getting that feel. <laughs> you know, and there is. They've actually shown that helping people, there is a dopamine hit that you get from well. So I, I call it veggie crack. So whenever I get people, yeah, into no eat, doubt at all. <laughs> whenever I can get someone to eat better, it's like I need more veggie crack people. So come on, I need you to, to focus here. And uh, it's my selfish craving. I love that. <laughs> and you know, yeah, I love that. And there's, yeah, that's that's great. And yeah. I'm. Tasting some of that now too. There's no no cake that I could eat that would beat that veggie crack. No, there's absolutely nothing at all, and it's uh, it's tremendous. And I think that's why people go into healthcare or you know any type of, uh, you know, as in the military, people want to serve their country. They want to you know be police officers or whatever because yeah. they they enjoy that that um, feeling of helping people, which is fantastic. And um, I mean, maybe they should do like a Spud Fit like TV show or something where you take food addicts and put them through your your month long Spud challenge. That's or the dream, I tell you. <laughs> so I think that would be that'd be awesome. I don't know how yeah, to watch. I don't have to. <laughs> you know, there's some amazing <laughs> opportunities. I don't know about Australia, but um, I, that would be pretty fun to see for sure. But. You yeah, well, if anyone's, uh, if any TV producers are out there, pick <laughs> me up. <laughs> I know my little podcast. I think I have, you know, it's growing slowly, um, but it is a lot of yeah. fun for sure. Um, this is fabulous. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think you're you're going to do really well, and it's going to be really fun to see how you um, you grow your your Spud community. Um, is there besides the speech in Melbourne? Is there anything else that's coming up that you'd like to talk about? Or share with us? No, uh, no, nothing in particular. I'm working on some things. Like I said, I'm working on well now. That's like a do-it-yourself sponsor challenge guide. But I'm I'm working on another book that's that'll be like a big story of um, you know my my life, how I got in the position where I needed to do the Spud Fit Challenge, and then um, and then everything that happened throughout the year. Like last year was the the most weird, craziest, biggest. Uh, year of my life so mm -hmm. a lot happened and I'll uh, fill a book up with that and and hopefully that'll be helpful for people as well and um, the, yeah there's the, no uh, I don't know if anyone wants me to, to wants to work with me then connect and then you know go to my website and connect with me and we'll, we'll do something but I don't really have any major plans on the horizon great well I will make sure and mention the spudfit.com and then they can also yep. find you on Facebook um, under the Andrew. Let's see. Here. I've got a Facebook page. That's, if you search, um, if you search Spudfit on Facebook, you'll find me, and I'm okay. on Instagram and Twitter as well. And yeah, just I'm, I'm Spudfit everywhere. So Spudfit. I've got it a is. personal Facebook profile, and, and I've got my Spudfit profile as well. So okay. How did yeah, you? Oh, who gave you the nickname Spudfit? By the way, who gave you the Spudfit nickname? Uh, that was me. It was, yeah, this was, um, it was funny. The first month of this, nobody knew it was happening and, uh, I didn't really publicize it at all. And then I just had my little YouTube channel that had like a hundred views and that's it for the first month. And then a journalist found me at the beginning of February and did a story and then it went crazy viral all around the world. And that was quite unexpected for me. And then, uh, one, when that happened, I thought, well, maybe I should have a Facebook page and, Maybe I should have a website and all that, and then I was just 
quickly hurrying to get that done since there was so much publicity happening and I just, I don't know where the name came from. I was just like, I'm eating spuds and I'm trying to get fitter. Spud fit, that'll do. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. That, that'll do just yeah. fine. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> now, I can't even imagine what a year. I mean, you first of all, you said you were in deep depression and then you started your you know, potato challenge and then you're hurled into the worldwide media frenzy. And here yeah. you are a, a food addict trying to deal uh, an, enough with just your personal issues, but now the world's watching. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was hard going. Um, it was fun, but it was really hard. And in the beginning, I wasn't sure if I wanted to do any of it because I was quite embarrassed about it all and thought, you know, it's a strange, weird thing to do. And, you know, I'm going to get a lot of hate from people online and all that sort of stuff. But in the end, I just thought, you know, this is there'll be one time in my entire life that this sort of media frenzy will happen. And I just thought, you know, you're better to regret the things you do than the things you don't do. So I just decided to just say yes to everything, do all the interviews and just see what happens. And it turned out to be a really good experience. And I got overwhelming majority of, um, of contact that I had from people around the world was supportive. And, um, yeah, I couldn't be happier with it all in the end. It was really, really great. Wonderful. I, I think that's fabulous. And I wish you the best of luck in, uh, in all of your endeavors. Thank you, and you too. I love your work, and I love what you're doing too. So Thank you very much. Yeah, keep it up. Yeah. <laughs> and if anything I can help you out, just please let me know. Yeah, will do, and yeah, same goes. If you're ever in Australia or if I make it back to the U.S. sometime, then yeah, let's, let's yeah. hook up too. I'm, I'm yeah. uh, not far from uh, Miami, so you just go north, okay. north uh, to Boca Raton for about 45 minutes, All and right. that's where I'm at on the eastern and. Hopefully, cool. I would love to make it to Australia. That is a big bucket list for me, so we'll see. Yeah, all right. All right. Yeah. Well, you never know. Then who knows? There might be a might be a book tour in my future or something like oh, that. Oh, that so would be well, fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> I get one of your signed copies. Yeah. <laughs> all right. No Wonderful. worries. <laughs> well, thanks, Andrew, so much for your time, and uh, we really appreciate everything that you're doing and will do in the future. And, you know, I like to end every podcast with an acknowledgement and um, because a lot of times when people do this type of work or, you know, share their story, there's a lot of give, but there's not a lot of thank you. And I think that goes a long ways to give people a little bit more motivation and get up and keep doing it, you know, when the days get hard. And so basically, I just yeah. wanna, you know, say thank you for all those who people you've helped and those who you will help with um, your future book endeavors and your whatever else comes, you know, comes your way. And uh, I'm sure there there's many people that are haven't had the opportunity to express that. So I will for them. Thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, yeah, I could say all the same stuff about the work that you're doing. So oh, yeah, well, good on you and, and keep it up. <laughs> well, you know, I got to go for out, head out for that veggie crack. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. There's that selfish element too. Isn't there? Just a slight, just a slight. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. thanks again, Andrew, and have a good night. All right, you too. <laughs> and uh, take it easy, and we'll talk again. All right. Bye bye. All right. Cheers. Bye. <laughs>